Society. Thank you for joining us for another episode. This is Jaslyn. And this is Darren. I'm so happy y'all tuned in the past few weeks. Y'all been showing support um, on social media and just listening. So just wanted to thank you all for that. Really, very much appreciate it. <laughs> you all are awesome. And again, we're still doing our little call to action. So head on over to our Instagram and our Twitter and give us a follow so you can interact with us and also have a chance to receive additional content um, more frequently. Yes, please. Um, so we're gonna get into it how are you feeling how how are you but like that deep like you know how are you <laughs> like when they look at you deep in your eye and the tears look into your out. soul oh i'm i'm a little anxious right now um just prior to this we yeah. we had a discussion and i decided to sort of like publicly talk about a little side hustle i've had going on for the past year and if you head on over to Instagram, you can read about it. But I kind of felt yeah. like it was a good time to just start sharing more about what I've been getting into and how I'm applying my work outside of the academy. So yeah, yeah. Thank you for being real. And you, like, <laughs> I've been watching Pose, and they've just been like realness, like, realness. <laughs> but like about how you're feeling. Like I feel like anxious. Like I think it was just Mental Health Week or something. Was it this mm. week or last week? Um, so I think there's a lot of conversations around that. So I think like you know being able to be honest about how you're feeling is really dope so that's cool yeah. and sitting in yourself yes. and posting out you know <laughs> accomplishments and victory oh gosh it's just <laughs> there's so much to unpack with that just like sitting in yourself and what you do and what it means and I don't know I think we're, we're taught to be very humble but in that a lot of what we do gets lost and the opportunity to share and grow and exchange with other people is just kind of it's mucked up. Yeah. Like, the fact thing. that we're meant to be humble. So I'm yeah. working through that. <laughs> uh, I think we all are. I am. But I think like what it does for me at least is like, I think you're sharing and putting it out there and, and standing in that makes me sort of like want to do the same. Like it, that energy resonates with me where I'm like, look at you being great. It's like, you know what? I want to be great too. <laughs> like, you are sort of like, great. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Look at this feelings, like little thing we got going on here. <laughs> but um, it, 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 it makes me want to do it too. And I think it makes other people want to do it. So I think by like celebrating yourself, you know, you celebrate um, us, you know, there's like a collectiveness in it mm, because it, it, it brings up other people. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, on that note, Darren, how are you feeling as a Ooh. member of the community? <laughs> Let me take a pause for a second. I know on, on the um, podcast, it might be a little bit of silence, but I really want to like sit with that for like two seconds. I know for the purposes of this, I can't take too long of a pause, but <laughs> I guess I'm feeling like slight anxiety right now, sort of just like um, not wanting to say the wrong thing, which I think is the realest uh, answer I can give, mm. but at the same time, I feel deeply rooted in intention. Um, and I very much hope that the words that I want to say find me, um, so that they can find all of us, um, okay. in a sense. So that's how I feel right now. You know, the words, are they a beacon in the night? Are they, they bringing us all together? I don't know what they're doing, but I think they're showing us something. Like I was okay. looking at the word, um, I was talking to a friend, um, 
a while back and I was looking at the word like feel because I was trying to understand how I felt and then I saw like F-E-E-L and then I saw the E-L and then I saw the, the F-E then I saw El Fe and I was like wait there's faith and feel in Spanish El Fe means oh, faith okay. and I was like there's faith <laughs> and feeling and then I was like oh my goodness mm. what does this mean and I had to sit with it so I'm just trying to basically understand how it is that I feel and what it is that I'm feeling and what it is that we're feeling and capture that with language. And have faith and belief in. Yeah. Oh, ooh, I like that. I think they're interconnected, you know? I okay. think there's something there. <laughs> I see. So, that's me on my hotel. Okay. I mean, own it. Own it, right? I was in it because you sat in yours. Because I sat in my truth today. Okay. You sat in your truth. Should we get into our topic under the review? Just, you know, segue up in there. Come mosey on over. So for this week, our topic under review is navigating life post-grad. I think, Darren, you wanted to take a moment to say something to everyone. I want to say congratulations. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Like, I just really want that to meet all of you. And I want all of you to hopefully, like, sit in whatever it is that you're feeling about graduating. Because I think that's a big accomplishment for a lot of people. And I know that this year, it couldn't be celebrated in the same ways. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that there's still an ability for you to celebrate yourself um, despite the circumstances of right now. And feeling so that, that sense of accomplishment because you did a thing. You did you know, thing. <laughs> you did the thing, you did a thing. It's really, it's a really big deal. And there's challenges to navigate for each of us. They're different, but we all can kind of sit in that shared experience of coming into ourselves and yeah. attempting to, and hopefully successfully attaining a degree of our choice, you know? Right, especially too for like first-gen folk, um, for people mm-hmm. of color, for black people as well. Yeah. Just like shout out to those doing it for the culture, to the LGBTQers out there. <laughs> Darren was throwing up gang signs, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just proud of all of you. Yeah, so... Yeah, no, we're definitely very, very proud, but we wanted to have a discussion about navigating life afterwards because after you accomplish this thing, there's there's just a whole new oh, chapter of life yes. that you enter into. Um, and during this discussion, we definitely want to sit in the fact that our experiences are from 2016, 2017 onwards, we're yeah. clearly in a very different time. Um, COVID-19 has completely changed what post-grad life looks like. Um, what mm-hmm. pursuing career dreams and um, advanced edu- uh, like advanced education like it, it is completely right. changed what the landscape looks like. So um, take all of it with a grain of salt as we talk about it, uh, but then also know that we're also trying to understand these times too and um, help in the ways that we can. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. Um, I didn't know if you wanted to start us out, but I know we wanted to talk a little bit about sort of like our own experiences of what we did sort of like after graduation. So you graduated early, you know, you overachiever. <laughs> no, I'm oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> but you graduated in 2016 this semester early. So what did you sort of do after? Mm. Um, I guess to talk about that, I kind of have to talk about what I did during my last semester. Oh, so um, 
I had already decided that I wanted to pursue a PhD at that point. So um, I prepared my materials, I had taken the GRE, I had submitted, um, but in doing so, I also thought about the possibility of either not getting into a PhD program or um, also not getting into one that was quite the best fit. So in addition to submitting um, applications for grad school, I also applied for some lab manager positions. Gotcha. Um, so I, I can kind of speak on that. I was already working as a lab manager at my undergrad university. So um, what ended up happening was that I was accepted into a program and I continued to work as a lab manager at the University of Maryland College Park until I left for um, my PhD program in the fall of 2017. Um, how about you, Darren? What did you do after graduation? Yeah, making me reflect a little bit. Um, but I kind of want to go back a little bit before, like you just did. <clears throat> and right before I graduated, I actually dropped pre-med. So I was pre-med for a bit. I thought I wanted to be a doctor. And I was like, nah. <laughs> like, <I'm good. laughs> um, Not your scene. Yeah, it wasn't my scene. So I was kind of in a place of ambiguity. So I, I honestly wasn't completely sure what I wanted to do afterwards. Um, but I had been working as a lab tech uh, throughout the years, as I talked about, I think, on last week's episode. And that lab was moving to the University of Pennsylvania. And they actually hired me to be like a full-time lab tech um, at UPenn. So my steps after graduation were going from a bit of uncertainty to just sort of like, okay, there's like an opportunity to go and do this thing. Um, so I took it and I did it. But I did know at that point too as well that I, I kind of wanted to go abroad in a weird sense. And I chose the lab tech job because it made sense to me. I was like, I should do this. And I really love the lab and it's great. And I, and I love that experience. So it, it wasn't negative. But I do think there was like a thread of kind of like wanting to go abroad, um, but not really feeling confident enough to do it. Um, but I did after. <laughs> but my, my steps after graduation were sort of strategically thinking about like what it is that, that's an opportunity right now. And that was lab tech at that time. But then also to a little bit of like trying to get the feeling of what it, what it was that I wanted to do. Um, so I don't know if that gotcha. resonates with you at all. But Gotcha. Did you want to talk more about um, when you actually did go abroad, what happened or how that came to be? Yeah, so it came to be because I was working as a lab tech and I really liked the job. I really liked um, the lab and like my like I love my mentors and like everyone there. But I had a bit of a feeling that like, you know, I don't know if this is completely it. You know, I, I wasn't necessarily really happy with the day to day sort of like of it all like being in the workforce and like going to work and then coming home and then going to work and then coming home and then going to work and then coming home and then going to work and then coming home. <laughs> and I was like, I need a rupture from this. I need something different. So that sort of brought up feelings in me of like, what's next? What's the next steps? And I had known from before that I wanted to go abroad. And I think that like, you encouraged me in, in a lot of different ways. You're like, well, do it. And I was like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> what's stopping you? What's stopping you? I was stopping me. So <laughs> you gave me permission in a lot of ways uh, with, with other friends as well who did too. And I found this really cool program at the University of Alcala and applied and got in, which was dope. And then I ended up going there. So it sort of just was like a perfect 
mix of kind of strategy a little bit, knowing I wanted to pursue higher ed and get a degree, but also to a bit of like passion and knowing like that I really wanted to like be able to go abroad and experience things. So I think there was a bit of blending of those two for me. And I don't know if for you, there was like any specific like strategy you had thinking about going to do a PhD um, or was it just like fully passion? Cause I know, I think you like work with kids and stuff. Yeah. So I don't know if you want to talk about the children. <laughs> so the the children uh so <laughs> i think you kind of led into the next topic of career planning um mm-hmm. and how that happens in traditional and non-traditional ways so uh, depending on what undergrad institution you went to and also i guess within the school as well um there's different degrees of structured career planning via advisors or mentors right um But for me specifically, a lot of my career planning happened on my own. So um, between picking classes and choosing the minors that I chose and looking for research opportunities, I kind of pieced together the career I wanted based off of my interests and what I had um, available to me. Um, So I did all of that. And then as I became really settled into my research and figured out I didn't want to do adult work, but I, I definitely liked, you know, looking at, at like the social impact of certain development, sort of uh, certain types of cognitive development yeah. and kind of feeling it out. And I really was interested in naturalistic um, research and it all just kind of came together by the time it came to apply for grad school. And I, I was, I was sitting in what I wanted to do and it just came time to look for what professors were out there, what research labs were out there that could support the type of work that I was interested in. Yeah. And it seemed like you did a really good job too at the time of like combining, like just knowing what you wanted to do in terms of like, like the naturalistic work and things like that and like the type of investigation, but also to like um, knowing like that you have like interest in working with kids and like being able to put like a lot of, I know you had some experience uh, with mentorship um, mm-hmm. and with teaching, I think as an undergrad and being able to put yeah. that hat on too <laughs> and bring oh, it in yeah. there. So it seemed like you, you intertwine, you intermatch those things very well. And on that, like in career planning, um, I always marvel at how like, organized you are in your thoughts and the ways that you do things because my career planning was literally just like chaotic like I didn't really I did go to a couple um uh, advisor meetings in my undergrad and my advisor actually mistake mistook me for another black kid so that's how that relationship went I was like they're like hi Darius I was like I'm not Darius my name is Darren actually (laughs) don't want to be too tangential um but I had a couple of advisor meetings. Those weren't working too well for me. So a lot of it for me was just kind of trying to figure out what it was that I was like feeling and, and what it was that I was interested in. And mm-hmm. the passion sort of informed a bit of like the strategy. It was like the opposite mm-hmm. direction for me. Um, so I, I kind of used the feeling to, feelings to know a bit more about what it was that I wanted to do next. That's how my approach went in terms of like just a specific experience. But I do think there's also a lot of resources, like there's academic support, there's counselors. I think mentors are really big too. Um, Such a big deal. They're just so great. Yeah, it's like I can't yeah. because they they were, because they are. Yeah. So <laughs> talking um, to, you know, my mama, <laughs> you know, <laughs> my daddy, uh, <laughs> talking to, I don't want to put their names out there, but just talking to lab No, mentors, no, yeah. 
people. <laughs> yeah, um, for me, I had really great grad student mentors in the lab. I also um, was a McNair scholar, and the Ronald E. McNair program is basically like a post backish program for um, students of color, students from um, underrepresented backgrounds, broadly um, to help support them in pursuit of higher education, specifically um, PhD programs and PhD track careers. So I got the opportunity to participate in that and I had wonderful mentorship through that. Um, And again, like mentorship is so important that when I came to grad school, I reached out to a local McNair program and I worked with them. Um, We can talk about that another time, but basically in the in the time just before and after undergrad, we both went through the process of deciding whether or not to go to grad school. And when we decided mm. to, we had to decide when. Um, I decided to go straight in. You were and Darren. <laughs> you were bold. I didn't want to interrupt you that, but you were like, I'm gonna just do it. And I was like, okay, <laughs> no Sorry days off. Interrupt no your, days off. Your, 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 uh, your, your conversation where it was going, but you you just really went straight in. But sorry, you were no, saying that no, um, right in there. <laughs> yeah, and then you decided to take a little bit more time off, but it was inte- like you said, it was like almost intentional, even though it happened unplanned. Yeah. Um, so I guess maybe we should kind of talk about the factors we or the considerations we we um, had when we were deciding when to go to grad school, and also. Uh-huh in terms of what jobs we applied to in the meantime and worked uh, before grad school. Okay. Um, so for me deciding when to go to grad school, I just knew after school, um, after I graduated, I was like, I can't, uh, I'm not ready. Like, like <laughs> I was like, I am tired, had a great experience, love my, love my, um, that's not true. I'm I'm being fake. Um, yeah. well, it was really hard. I had a really hard time in school. I, don't know I was why. looking at you like, oh, yeah, since real when? Uh, I had a really hard time in undergrad. It was very difficult. That's my truth. Um, <laughs> and I couldn't keep going with that. Like, I needed to have some time off. I needed yeah. a break. And there was a perfect opportunity that sort of, like, came up. Um, an opportunity I cared about because I, I loved the work the lab was doing. They, do, they were doing adult neurogenesis work, um, understanding more about the brain and cognition and how we form memories. So for me, to answer your question, uh, I needed a break. I needed a hot break. <laughs> um, so I'll stop there. Maybe I'll talk about like my, my, the next step I took into graduate education for my master's after that. But what were you thinking, you know? Mm. Um... What was I thinking? Uh, so <laughs> I had, I started doing research my sophomore year of undergrad. And so at that point, I had about three years of research experience and okay. I worked through the semesters over the summers. Like I was, I was always in the lab, always, you know, um, looking for opportunities. Right. I worked in actually two labs uh, concurrently at one point in time um, for a couple of years. <laughs> I just enjoyed the work. Um, yeah. And so I felt confident that if I applied for a program at that point in time, I would be pursuing something that I had a lifelong interest in. Um, okay. And I had personal connections to the work and, and also a faculty member who basically the work aligned perfectly was taking a student. Um, and it yeah. just, the stars just seemed to align, you know, like, yeah, this is my time. This is my moment. I didn't really feel the burnout until 
the time before the PhD program started. So mm-hmm. when I graduated, I thought I had the energy and I could go and go <laughs> yeah. and go. But then while I was working um, before I left for my program, I realized that I was tired. Um, <laughs> so I just started focusing on how to take care of myself and prepare for the next five years ahead in the program (laughs) yeah I love that and I love this idea that you bring up of like the burnout I love that as a concept you know I'm already like thinking on that but I think Mm -hmm. when I was talking about the day to day to day going to work going to work going to work the day to day that was the burnout um and then you also brought up this idea of the alignment and I think like the burnout and sitting in the burnout um sort of coincided with the alignment because it was telling me that it was like this ain't it. I'm with my hand. I'm like pointing a little arrow and it was like, so at the time the burnout was surfacing, the alignment sort of like lined me up with what I needed to do next in a weird sense. So leading into that, um, after I started the the lab tech job, I was looking for what I wanted to do next. So at that point, it kind of brought me to think a little bit more about basically the burnout took me to a place of alignment and that lined up with what I wanted to do next, which was going to Spain, but it was also reaching out and finding mentorship to figure out what I wanted to do next. Yeah. So all of it, just the alignment was over a longer period of time where subsequent um, decisions and opportunities sort of helped you develop that concrete idea of what you wanted to do long-term academically and career-wise. Yeah. I don't even need to to tie it into something. That's really... That's really something where I I think for me, like you said, like I was just a little bit more strategic in terms of like mapping it out of when and how and all that good stuff. Yours just, it fell into place um, naturally, really. Yeah. Um, And lined up. That's a good lineup (laughs) at the barber. Which we should not be getting right now. (laughs) We should not, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyways, so... um, for both um, in grad school and our post-grad um, workforce experience, we had to go through the process of searching, applying, yeah. and going through interviews. Um, and I think we should first kind of talk about what it was like, um, I guess, for working. For me, anyways, I applied to labs all over the country when I was kind of thinking about what I would do if I didn't get into grad school. Okay. Um, and so... Um, finding those opportunities were kind of difficult. You know, you kind of think like academia is so big and there's so many labs out there uh, with people doing work. It's hard. It's really hard. And so, you know, I prepared my materials and I think that's something we can go into into in depth at another point in time about, you know, really how to prepare your applications for the job or the program you're interested in. Um, But then it came time for interviews, both for... jobs and then for grad school and (laughs) wow (laughs) there is nothing like like doing virtual interviews (laughs) doing skype interviews now in 2020 that seems so normal but back in 2016 was it when i was doing them for grad school and everything i was like i've never heard of this before (laughs) why am i doing this clearly it worked out though no (laughs) uh, together somehow (laughs) but yeah um i don't know if you want to talk a little bit about your experience with um searching applying and interviewing searching applying and interviewing so for searching billy porter said this thing um 
where he was like, if you stay ready, you don't got to get ready. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that really sat Amen. with me. <laughs> like in the searching, like, it, I wasn't really searching. It was just like, okay, I'm going to go to Spain. Okay, this kind of worked out. So I'm going to Spain next. So I'm like, what do I do now? I'm like, well, I kind of want to do something the year after. And then I was just kind of looking online. So I guess it, it looked like for me, literally like taking the time um, and my downtime on my job or just like in life and like going online and doing searches, uh, trying to figure out what it was that I was interested in first, because I know what I was interested in. So I was like, okay, like neuroscience and I like people. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that's, that's a place to go. So then I was like, <laughs> all right, uh, what education? Uh, nah, I'm not sure about that. Like uh, whatever else. And I found social neuroscience and I was like, oh, you can bridge these two things. So my next step in my searching process was like people, I need someone to help me. So I went to my mentor and my mentor was like, you should go talk to people who might be at Penn because you're at Penn right now. And I was like, that's really smart. Thank you. Um, so then I went and I found um, who, who happens to be my current uh, PI right now. And I had a conversation with her. I read all of her uh, materials and stuff and ended up applying to Annenberg. So that was my searching process, my application process. I had to dive in because I was leaving for Spain. Help me out if I forget, Jasmine, but I was leaving in September, but mm-hmm. I was trying to finish my application uh, by the start of August. So I didn't have to worry about it. So my mm-hmm. application process, I, I just had to, I bought a GRE book and I said, let's go. <laughs> so, <laughs> like in my downtime on work, I was sitting in the conference room, um, doing GRE questions. Like I was also moving at the same time. So I, I was studying a lot. And then um, I got my application out in August before I left. That was my application process. Um, and my interviews, um, and actually doesn't have an interview. So I mm. didn't interview, um, but I was able to talk and get to know different people in the lab um, just by going to ask them like and stuff. Like the person yeah. I, I met with was like, if you're interested, maybe like you should ask some other people, ask around. And I said, yes. <laughs> so I went, like, <laughs> And so, you ask questions. And I went and I asked, you know, I had to try to put myself on. I was just in the mm-hmm. words of Billy Porter. I was trying to stay ready. So I like when it, when the opportunity came up, I was like, hey, I w- can I talk to you about your work? And there was yeah. the anxieties <laughs> because I was sweating for these different face-to-face, not interviews, but interactions. I treated them like interviews. But mm-hmm. um, I, I, did, I had to did, I had to do it, you know? You just had to do it. Um, <laughs> because, I, because I wonder, though. It, you know? <laughs> like, oh, like, stop. And being a mentor, and being a mentor, you were very much a mentor for me because you, like, I'm not just shooting the, I don't want to cuss, but I'm not just doing that. <laughs> but literally, like, you were already in grad school and you were already doing it. And, like, I had you as a mentor. So I very much, too, were like, okay, Jocelyn did this. Like, all right, let me do the same thing. <laughs> mm. um, so I'm not just trying to, you know, Talk I'm, to I'm your what do you feed the feed the head, feed the ego feed the head make my head big just <laughs> yeah no snatch out yeah no, no, I'm oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> but no but in all 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 respect what's the word you seriousness very much were as well seriousness respect words mean things sometimes oh well <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit in that too much in this moment <laughs> but I I was wondering while you were speaking because you didn't have to interview for grad school how if and how the interviews you had for the program you did in Spain went. Oh, 
Did you have any interviews for that? I can't really remember off the top of my head. I did. It was a video interview. Why is there this thematic element of being recorded coming out right now in the universe? Someone tell me. Someone tell me. Uh, But yeah, we had to do a video, like, sort of interview in in the application, uh, hmm. which was different, Um, which I think there's an important point that maybe we want to come back to at at a later time. But applications for schools in different countries, like, look different because different countries look different. So... Yes. So it was a different process. Um, but yeah, that was my interviewing process. I did record a video. I had to fill out an online form. And then I had to go at the same time, get a whole bunch of different like visa information and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I had to go to DC um, and collect like all these different documents. Uh, so that was my interview process for that. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So um, the last thing we kind of wanted to talk about in making decisions for... Um, I guess, career versus grad school, or if you're just considering one, basically how, how you're going to make those decision, decisions is considering utility versus interests. We both spoke a lot about our passions and how that helped guide us, but we also considered utility in making our decision to go to grad school for a specific thing and when, and also how long we would work prior to it. Um, yeah. I think there's a, a good balance of passion and utility that needs to be discussed here. And I have a topic of interest specifically <laughs> under that umbrella, but I'll let Darren speak on utility versus interest a little bit more. Yeah. I feel like I have to breathe in a bit on that one before I answer. Um, find your breath, everyone. <laughs> Let's take a conscious breath together. But utility... Uh, yeah. I want to be able to get a job <laughs> like, and I like school a lot. Um, so like maybe the utility was, was literally just like wanting to be able to get a degree that would help me secure employment and do something that I'm interested in. Um, and I already said something I'm interested in. So the interest part was to figuring out what it was that I'm interested in. So I don't know, it's coming together in my head now, but I think it was just a bit of like balancing um, the need to like, for me, at least, to pursue higher education, higher education because I like school and and I had stuff I wanted to know about the world. And then the utility was like, okay, well, I can explore that through the context of a, of a PhD. I like communication. I like understanding how people talk to each other. And I'm like, okay, where do I put that? Okay, I can put that in the PhD program and explore it there. Um, yeah. So that's kind of how it came together. It was like a little envelope. <laughs> it was an envelope. It was an envelope. Um, yeah, something that kind of came to mind while you were speaking was just that utility can also... Um, be talked about in terms of how it's going to get you to the place you want to be in. So there's lots of different ways. We've seen that so much over the years of getting to the same place. Like you don't need to go to school to do a lot of careers or have certain jobs that were previously associated with having like a bachelor's degree or a master's degree or whatever else. At the same time though, you can use different degrees to get to the same place in life. So um, identifying the best degree for you to accomplish your goal, even if other people are doing a different degree to get to that same place, if there's one that makes more sense for you, then you should go for that. Um, my little, yeah. my little beef with the... <laughs> Wait, can I add something before? I think find your envelope and it will take you where you need to go. <laughs> find your oh envelope. <laughs> Oh my gosh, find your envelope. Quote of the day from Darren. (laughs) Um, I guess my like little beef with how um, advice is kind of doled out just generally to people 
um, without their individual circumstances or desires taken into account is like pursuing an MPH. So there's lots of whenever people sort of have like career goals that have to do with medicine or public health or just, Mm. you know, just researching how humans exist a little bit or just understanding or being in the workforce in that way. I think a lot of times they're encouraged to like go and get an MPH. Um, And it's just like, why is this advice just so widely given out? And a part of me is a little skeptical of the system, of course. And I'm like, well, are these are these programs just like, are they recommended to, you know, line the school's pockets? Because they're not cheap. Um, And for a lot of people, um, they might get it before they go to med school or if they want to do a PhD in public health, like you kind of have to do it. But for some people, I know I've, I've heard from some people that they pursued this degree and then it doesn't have much use and it might just be another source of debt for them. Yeah. So I don't know if you had anything to say. No, about yeah. That. that makes a lot of sense. So like, yeah, if you're like a person who's super interested in like public health stuff and like there's utility in it, like, yeah, like you need to get an MPH, of course. Um, but I think like a lot of people think of an MPH as this like multi-purpose degree, like tool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's like, I'm not sure. I had an MPH. And I literally, that was me. <laughs> It's like a Swiss army knife of degrees. Yeah, it, like no shade to the MPHs out there. But like I was going to do an MP, I was going to stay working as a lab tech at Penn. And like they have this cool program where like they'll pay for your degree if you're a full-time employee. But I was going to get an MPH knowing full well that I wasn't all that interested in, in public health. But I was like, it has utility. But like that bit of interest part was like divorced from that. <laughs> so yeah. um, I do think like you, you hit on a lot too. Like even like a lot of master's of science degrees, um, I, I asked people in my lab, like, should I get a master's of science? I'm not sure if I want to do, if I know what I want to do. And all of them told me no. And I was like, why? And they're like, well, what, are you interested in it? What are you going to do with it? I was like, I don't know. And they're like, well, then. <laughs> um, and I think, like, the, the component of that, the more intellectual component of that, too, was, like, um, the fact that it's a lot of money, you know, for one. It's very expensive, too. And, and, and oftentimes, like, it might not allow you as much access. Um, not to say mm. it's bad. Like, maybe it's, it's useful to get your... your GPF or something like if it's not a, directly related yeah. to what you want to do it might not be as beneficial to you yeah and it's I expensive think is what you're getting at yeah. yeah and also too within your p like if you do a phd like if you're trying to do a master's to do a phd like maybe it, it's an inroad for you maybe it helps but you also do get a master's in your phd as well so, um most most programs most, okay yeah but if it's again like I I always question just broad general advice that's given to people, even in the face of their own own, like individual circumstance and like goals. It's just very strange that like I heard that advice, other people hear that advice and we all want to do very different things. Um, Why is there just this magical like antidote that's just kind of like, oh, get an MPH. Oh, get yeah, this. Yeah, get, get a master's. Like, like people are like, yeah. it's like this bridge. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get a master's. And like, maybe that could help out. Like, I don't think that's, I think it, it can be both. Like, maybe it can help out. But also, too, on the other side of that, maybe it's like a, a lot of money being spent and mm-hmm. not necessarily like leading a person to what it is that they want to do. I think that's a bit yeah. of the caveat and the, the caution. The money part is definitely something to talk about always, but especially now where... yeah the economy is just doing flips. It's a roller coaster. We don't know what's going on. Everyone's just kind of worried, holding on to money a little bit tighter. It's It would be really unfortunate to just go and pursue a degree because you think it might help, but when 
when you actually sit down and think about it or see the outcomes for people. I think that's really important too. Yeah. Like looking at the outcomes for people who have pursued that degree. Um, what are, what are the outcomes? Do they get the job that you're looking for? Do they get into the programs that you're right. interested in? I think right now it's a really good time to sort of look at the uncertainty going around and thinking about, are my next steps um, guaranteed? I'll, granted, nothing is guaranteed, but right. is this going to bring me closer or farther away to um, a spot of security, not even an end goal of a job or anything, but just right. like, what would I feel secure in executing this, this, this decision, excuse me, to pursue um, this degree? Yeah, that, that this makes job. a lot of sense because like Sally Mae will chase you down. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so that makes sense. And something I wanted to add to was like, it's definitely different times. But for me, part of the, the strategy part of the like the utility in pursuing a master's in Spain, great, great privilege as well. But part of why I did it was because um, the program was less expensive. So mm. I was able to like, thankfully work over there and like help out teaching um, in the public school system and also pay for my degree because it was a lot less expensive. So I don't, I don't want to just put that out there now because I know if the world, that might not be an option for someone to travel um, right now, given the uncertainty of everything. Borders are closed. <laughs> yeah, borders are closed. But I, I guess for me, it's more of an example of, of trying to integrate like strategy and utility into the things that you want to do um, mm -hmm. and finding the best way to do that, like given what we have right now. Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of how we went about navigating life post-graduation. Again, times are very different now. On that note, we should probably <laughs> move on into our word on the street for today. So this week's word on the street is about the post that Lana Del Rey made the about <laughs> her qualms. I mean, yeah. it was written in like, what was that, typewriter font? Yeah, she like went back to that Americana. Americana times. Yeah, 1950s. <laughs> yes. <laughs> about how she kind of, she's wondering, she's asking the people, uh, is it okay for her to come back and produce and record and share music about right. her experiences, even though they glorify, uh, what is it called again? Intimate partner violence. Intimate partner violence. I, my brain is still stuck in my middle school terminology that they no, taught yeah, us. Yeah, sure. um, <laughs> it's because um, she highlighted the fact that people like Beyonce and Cardi B are out here and they're they're sitting in and sharing um, their comfort in themselves and sexualize. Yeah. Like, you know, they're just, they're comfortable and they're sharing themselves. She wants to share herself in this way. Um, and in the process, she also kind of talks about how she feels like she's being silenced by men and other women. Um, and for me, I, ugh, there's so many things. To there's so many layers. <laughs> so many layers. But I think for me, the thing that kind of made me upset was that she kind of called people into the conversation who had nothing to do with it, uh, many of whom were Black women. Right. And in her language about being silent, she specifically grouped men and women who are louder or stronger. Yeah, stronger. That language, categorizing other women with men when you're talking about being silenced or oppressed, that's not cute. I don't do that. The, um, especially when it's of, black yeah, women. Yeah, yeah, you know, it reinforces that stereotype about black women being, you know, angry, aggressive, um, and masculine. And so it's just like, 
I don't know if it was intentional, but you know, you don't, your intention kind of doesn't matter when that's the message that you're putting out there. So, I mean, upon the many things that can be discussed in that post, that's the thing that kind of, it kind of hit me in my chest a little bit. Yeah. There's like a lot of things like, and I think like um, for more on this too, I think Rachel Cargill made a post about it on Insta where she talks about it a lot too. Mm -hmm. But something in that post that I think she highlighted was, was what you were talking about uh, where it was like this portrayal of like black women uh, as like this, like, like animalistic larger sort of weird vibe where like in, in, in order for her to sit in like her, I don't know, like her, her purity or something. It was like pushing back. She said softer women like herself. Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's difficult for me to articulate, but it was just, it was just strange to me, and I don't feel like I can comment much on it. But something that I thought about was like, why? I just was like, kind of like, why is she defending, glorifying um, intimate partner violence? And I stand, I stand, um, Lana. I really love Lana's music. We've all had some Lana yeah. moments. The music, but, is, the music hits, but it's sometimes, sometimes. <laughs> Like I love, I love Lana, but like at the same time, I'm just like I, I, her lyrics. He hit me, and it felt like a kiss. Like I just Lana. I don't, I don't know about that one. And not- I, I think something she mentioned is that the proceeds from her music could or have gone towards you know organizations that help support women who are um, survivors of abuse, but. Nowhere in her music does it say, like, I don't know if subliminally in the background there's a 1-800 number for a hotline yeah. or anything like that. If if someone is just exposed to the music, all they know is that she's singing about and glorifying these 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 toxic moments and interactions um and you'd have to do digging past just listening to her music to um to find those resources, right. to understand that she doesn't actually think that it's okay for you to be um, to be in relationships like that. Yeah, and it was really strange for me too, because like someone criticized something that she did. They didn't criticize necessarily her. They're just like, we don't know about these like uh, lyrics that talk about abuse, and she just brought in the bodies of black women. <laughs> <laughs> and she put it on the backs of black women and Ariana Grande. I don't know. I don't know about that one. But I'm like, how is something criticizing your work? How are you going to employ and bring in like th- th- this whole person, you know, to mm-hmm. make a case that you should be able to to do this behavior? You know, like what does it have to do with them and their existence? Like I, I don't. Yeah. Get- <laughs> so like uh, a theme in here and something that I always believe is separating the artist from the artistry. And so oh, yeah. like. In talking about this, we gave her credit for her work. Yeah. The music slaps. Yeah. It's great. But the art, the artiste, <laughs> you know, so she was talking about her art, but in doing so, she called in other artists, but that wasn't, that's not what anyone was arguing in there. It wasn't about a Beyonce. Yeah, Cardi else. B. It was, it was about the contents. And so it was just like, oh, I think that's a show. What do you think? That's a show. That's, That's a, a show. show. So, you know, <laughs> thanks for joining us for another episode of Millennials Unpublished. Tune in each week as we all figure out life together. Yeah, thank you. Um, continue to rate, subscribe, write a review, and share the podcast. If you like what you're hearing, please shout us out on Instagram at Millennials Unpublished. That's with two L's and two N's. And for me, at Darren27.
And I'm at Jaunty Jazz. Thank you guys for listening and tune in again next week. Take care. Bye. 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 Bye.